to you live from Race City, USA. It's Blind Spotting, the NASCAR podcast from a fresh, personal, and blue collar take. Race reviews, race previews, the latest news, and more. And now, your hosts, Michael Colbert, Andrew Coates, and Travis Sherry. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Blind Spotting. And I can't believe we've made it to this point. Episode 100, we've made it. And we've, we've hit the century mark. Travis Sherrill here alongside of Michael Colberth and Andrew Coates in the Cottle Creek Compound. And I, I tell you, Michael has hit it out of the park for this one. Uh, we went for the, for the big guns for episode 100. The driver of the number seven Brant Professional Agriculture Chevrolet in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Justin Allgaier is in studio with us. Justin, good evening. Thanks for joining us. How's your off-season going? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I didn't know I was episode 100, so that's uh, that's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> Obviously, um, you know, getting to know Michael and and um, mostly his daughter from from softball, playing with, with my daughter last fall. When he asked me to do this, um, it's pretty cool to to be able to come and join you guys and be a part of it. And it's been um, it's been an interesting off season to say the least. You know, my dad as he's gotten a little bit older, uh, we sell racing tires and racing parts in the Midwest, and so we hit Phoenix. And like the Monday after Phoenix, I went to work and and uh, started helping ugh. my dad. Um, you know, with his business as <clears throat> as they kind of slow down for the winter, uh, same as you know other styles of racing. That's when we get a lot of work done, right? We're infrastructure-wise and and making, you know, making um, decisions on what parts lines we're going to carry and and you know gearing up for the next season on tires and things like that. So, I I didn't get a lot of downtime. Um, you know, I I pretty much worked all off season, and then we got to spend a, a week in 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 Disney last two weeks ago, I guess now. But I ran the marathons while we were there, so oh, I ran neat. a five k, a ten k, a, a half marathon, and a full marathon in four days. So lots Good of miles gracious. on feet. That's the dopey challenge. That is the dopey yes. challenge. Yeah. So I'm uh, officially dopey, <laughs> and I know why they call it that because you're you're pretty much an idiot uh, when you're done. And then and I see people. You were sleepy. I didn't have time to sleep. My wife says. Uh, <laughs> my wife said, if I don't care if you run on our vacation, but you're not going to ruin it. So I would run the races, go back to the hotel room shower change clothes go straight to the park every day i went like 42 miles on the full marathon day between the running and the walking it was like 42 miles that was crazy oh my goodness so everything in my body hurt Um, i'm finally back to normal but um yeah so it's been a it's been a weird off season and then you know we've kind of waited on nascar for rules as odd as it sounds you know there's been so much change with the cup series car in the last three years right that i feel like We've started getting these rules later and later in the the off season, and most of the Xfinity Series teams are not affiliated with a Cup team. We're not in a Cup shop. You right. know, Junior Motorsports is no different from that. We have a tie to Mister Hendrick and Hendrick Motorsports, but we're not Hendrick Motorsports. We still build all of our own stuff. We still, you know, operate independently. And um, when you when you took it to take a look at budgets and you take a look at time and people and resources. Those uh, later rules changes are really a pain in the butt because uh, sure. you're, you're, you're last minute trying to get that stuff figured out. So, you know, we've, we've got to work it out for us. But at the same time, you know, I got a great group of people at our shop. We're like 155 people now, which is kind of crazy to think. But um, 
I mean, I think, it's four full-time cars. Yeah, four full-time cars. And then cars. the boss man every once in a while. Yeah, and that car um, last year, I think, ended up running about 10 races okay. uh, between other drivers. And I, I kind of foresee that being the same this year. I don't know exactly what that looks like. One week you hear one thing, the next week you hear sure. another. Dale decides he wants to run two or three, or maybe he wants to run one. It, you know, <laughs> one thing I've learned is is that everything is fluid sure. in our shop. If, sure. if Dale decides he wants to do something... It happens. It's like magic. You know, Dale says this needs to happen. It's like magic. So, Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's weird how that works. But um, no, we, we, we've got a great organization, great people, and, you know, lots of uh, lots of work on the horizon. Do you share cars between drivers? I don't mean the part-time guys that come in, it, but, like, if you have a chassis you like, do you get to keep it? Is it yours, or do they rotate it through the other guys, too? Majority-wise, I would say yes. Okay. We get to keep it. Now... Where that differs is, let's just say we go on a stretch of two, three, four weeks where a car has a has a bad time, right? Wrecks four weeks in a row, three weeks in a row. They got to borrow some equipment. We tend to run on about a 10-car rotation. Okay. So each team starts the year with about 10 cars. Now, you have to have short track cars, road course cars, intermediate cars, and super speedway cars. So if you have a primary and a backup for each style of track, that's eight, <laughs> that's eight right there. That's not a lot of room for, for spares. Now we have other suspension. We have other body panels, things like that. So it just, it just depends on the time of year, what type of racing we're doing. You know, the biggest one we see is road courses. Mm-hmm. That's where we are speedways and road courses, but speedways are typically a little bit spread out. We usually go February and then I think like April and then not you don't go, not that. Yeah. This year is going to be interesting. <laughs> I don't know. We got, we got a lot going on, but and uh, Atlanta changes that now. Well, so Atlanta is the goofed up one because it's a speedway, but it's not a speedway. So you're still using an intermediate car with updates to be uh, more like a speedway car, but it's hmm. not a full speedway car, but it's not a full intermediate, intermediate anymore, car. Yeah. Huh. Like that car is its own. Like it's its own thing. It's specialized. Yeah. And it's so weird. I mean, it. I just wish we'd go one way or the other. I'm not a fan of the reconfiguration. Uh, I'm, is it because hmm. it's too tight? Is it what? It, what is it because of the car? They. The, the, what is it <sighs> makes you not a fan? I, it I seems did. ridiculous on television. I'll just be honest. Well, but it also looks a lot of like it would be a lot of fun to watch as a fan. Uh, as a fan, it looks it, fast, but it looks like it's a little on the edge. Yeah, maybe on the verge of being out of. It's control. it's out of control. There, but the okay. problem is, like I would say, the upper teams have gotten the cars to drive pretty good. But some of the lower teams, you know, they they put a lot of effort into it, but you know, to make speed, you can make them you can make them go as fast as you want to go. The faster you go, the more uncomfortable they are to drive. That's right. Loose so is now fast. You, yeah, loose is fast. But now you put yourself in a really tough spot because you you have people all around you that like you're you're riding around and your car might feel or look pretty good and you're watching these other people and you're like He's two laps away from wadding up the field. And I've I even, I, ca- I called yeah. it last fall or I guess the second race of the year last year. We're riding around and I'm like, listen, that guy right there is going to cause a big crash. And like two laps later, he caused a big crash. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you just you just don't know. But I think the part that really bothers me, Atlanta was like the coolest racetrack in the world. Like it with it, hmm. with the old service and it was bumpy and you know, you fought <clears> to get on the tires. line. Yeah, chewed up tires. It, it had everything I wanted as a racer. And then we went to this like wide open, can't lift. I think if it would like I wish we would go to like the open package or like a, a standard intermediate package, which they're worried about going too fast, which I get. 
uh, you know, at the end of the day, nobody wants to see the cars go 220 or 225. Right. I mean, well, I would like to try it once, but I don't think NASCAR wants to see that. Well, yeah. Um, okay. But I think it would be better because you could you could have variation in speed. Right. You know, that's what kills us is when when everybody's running the same speed. Yeah, parity is great, right? But it makes it when you're two or three wide and you're stacked up ten deep. It, the only way to get by somebody really is to wreck them, and we saw a lot of that in the fall last year. Right. Do you think that there's a chance that once Atlanta weathers and once the asphalt wears out, that we get back to the old Atlanta, or is the banking just too steep? Um, whose answer do you want? Because here's what I here's what I think. <laughs> the reason it was reconfigured is because. Uh, Marcus Smith and SMI wanted a super speedway race, mm-hmm. right? That's what they wanted. Yeah. That they, they actually, I believe, I don't know this to be true, but I, I from what I kind of gather, they approached NASCAR to buying, or what well, ISC is, to buying either Daytona or Talladega because they wanted a super speedway style race in their, in their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that wasn't feasible. So then they set out to build one. Now the problem with 99% of the tracks we have nowadays, they're already on, thin ice as far as keeping the doors open right right. now granted there's money coming in like i'm not saying that they're going broke i'm just saying from a city from a from a zoning standpoint from all these different things and and really from a landmass standpoint right you have you have all these racetracks that have been built for years and they're kind of grandfathered in if you were to have to say i'm going to take a mile and a half racetrack and i'm going to turn it into a two and a half mile racetrack or a two mile racetrack I just don't see that ever happening. That like right. that doesn't come to fruition. Mm-hmm. You know, California is going the other way. They're going from a two mile racetrack to a half mile racetrack. And before they even started demolition, they already had the property sold. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. that's where it becomes really difficult. We see this on a weekly basis with short tracks all over the country. Copart has been coming in and buying racetracks, lock, stock, and barrel, because they're already zoned for what they need and they don't have enough mass for their their business. So they come in and they're like, hey, this is great. We can pay to have a racetrack. And racetracks, a lot of them are like, they're kind of barely getting by short right. tracks. So they're like, oh, we can get cash up front. Copart can come in and say, hey, we we get the property that we need, the land that we need, and we don't have to rezone it. So we're saving money when it's all said and done. So, you know, it's 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 become very difficult for a track to kind of evolve or change once, once it's been there for a long time, right? I mean, I don't know how long Atlanta's been in play, but... Late 60s? I, was gonna say, I think 1960 was their first race. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say somewhere <clears throat> around 59, 60. So that's a long time to be one style of racetrack and then and then convert over. So I think yeah. that's where the challenge becomes. Um, so for me, I don't see it ever going away from a super, super speedway race, even when the grip level gets too low. They'll adjust for it. They'll just, they'll just figure out another way to keep it now, that way. Do you, with something like that, do you and Eddie sit down and have a strategy for hey you gotta look at some of these lower middle and lower tier teams like you gotta give me a heads up not just on what line is moving who's got the energy but like who's fishtailing it coming off of four like let me know when i gotta drop out of here or do you just say this is the risk i gotta run it at like because you gotta play that game of drop to the back and never score any stage points right which is not which is not on my bingo card i'm just gonna be honest with you i don't like that style boring it is boring Okay, so so the short answer is yes. The tough answer is he can't always see what I can see. Right. Right. Like he can see the top of the car and it's coming at him and going away from him. He so can't see the yaw in the rear. He, in the rear. Of it's the tires. really yeah. really hard for him to see that. So, you know, he's he's giving me his best 
understanding of where everybody's at. And he kind of knows, but you know, he's given me his best understanding, but then I have to give him updates. Right. And then he'll keep an eye on this guy. Keep yeah. He'll, okay. he'll then kind of make a mental note or a, a physical note. Sometimes if you ever look at the pictures, a lot of those guys post, they got duct tape up there. They're writing notes down. They got pit road speed, all that on there. So that's a, that's a, what comes into play. But then, you know, we also as a race team have changed our process significantly. So over the last couple of years, it's kind of gotten more and more in depth. This year will even, this year's probably going to ramp up the most I've ever seen it of what we do at the shop before we leave video, footage, um, notes. I look at the NFL and I kind of go, okay, we are modeling a lot more what the NFL does. And, and even to the point of where like NFL has defensive coaches and O-line coaches and all these things, Mm -hmm. we're kind of getting there. You know, we're kind of having different people that are studying different things and we'll then bring those to the table so that you get a better understanding of like Mm -hmm. where everybody's at. And it's, it's put a lot more on, on me personally. It's put a lot more on Eddie. It's put a lot more on my crew chief, Jim Pullman. Um, you are for sure a lot more in depth than we've ever been. You know, a lot of times back in the day, you just show up and go do it and kind of shoot from the hip. And that was all fine and dandy. And, and, you know, I, I look at Jimmy Johnson as a guy that kind of changed the landscape for physical fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're seeing that the, you know, physical part of it's a big part of it still, but now we're getting into like the mental training aspect of it. And you just keep adding time and, and adding energy to it. And, and um, it's good, but it's also, difficult it's a lot of work does that make it more stressful less enjoyable or potentially more enjoyable because you're more prepared for success when you get to the track yes um both of which (laughs) (laughs) um you hit the nail on the head though like i think that when you are more prepared it becomes easier and you're more confident in what you know the problem is when you don't have a week where you can get all the study in it or if you just feel like you had an inadequate week of studying you know, some, some weeks you study, 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 and it's like a test block, right? Whenever you were in school and you sure. you mm-hmm. show up and you're like, hey, I studied this and I know this. And then you go to take the test and you're like, I don't remember any of what I studied. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the other part of it. And then too, when you study and you have a game plan and it all goes haywire, that's when it becomes difficult. And, and I feel pretty good in the fact that like I've been around the sport long enough. I feel like I've got enough knowledge and experience to... I can I can maneuver if I have to, right? I can I can take a slant and go to another route and and feel like I'm doing a good job and and not feel like I'm out of out of water. But some of the other guys, especially in our group, even you know you got younger drivers that that haven't had to deal with that. You know they've not had this. If it changes, it's different, right? If you know what you've got going in, you can be prepared. Mm-hmm. And it, when it when that changes, some of these younger drivers have just never had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so now that becomes on me as a kind of a veteran of our team to okay, here's what you need to look for. Here's what you need to do. And so not only am I a driver and competing and trying to win races, but you know, you're also out there trying to help your, your competitors, um, to be better and and to grow also. So it becomes a difficult role. Travis, do they have the team sharing data in Xfinity? I could ask you just, they do not. So I've always wondered when they ask a cup driver, Hey, you know, so-and-so's lifting here. They're breaking later here. They're doing this or doing that. Like, well, I drive my race car the way I drive my race car. Like, I understand that, but but when you guys do it, you know, there's not much testing, but you have practice or whatever, and it's like, and you're talking about that studying, do you ever have to go, I, I can't make the car do what he can make the car do there? Like, or, or do you yes. try it? Or do you- <laughs> <laughs> So we have, a, we have a similar thing. It's just different. Ours is based on, we have a GPS-based version of that that is, 
I can see the line and I can kind of see the, the ground speed, but I can't see the like input. how he's getting that. Yeah. So, so that helps, but it also hurts because every driver has their quirks, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up racing dirt tracks. I grew up in the Midwest. I, I base my driving style off of kind of where my history was. Well, if you grew up in the South or excuse me, the Southeast, I should say, you probably raced asphalt malls, right. right? If you grew up in the Northeast, you might've raced, uh, you know, open wheel modifieds. You might've raced, uh, big block modifieds on dirt. You might've raced wing sprint cars. You know, if you grew up out on the West coast, you probably ran mini outlaw carts and, and, you know, wing sprint cars, you know, where you grew up kind of dictates the style of racing that you do. And it also dictates the driving style that you have. I mean, Brad Keselowski and I were teammates at, at, at team Pinsky. You know, I was just starting. He was kind of just kind of coming into his own and being the celebrity on the cup side that he was. We would go to the racetrack on any given weekend with the same setup. And the moment we unloaded, we would go th- both go 90 degrees opposite of each other. You know, we'd be 180 degrees out and mm. you couldn't get farther apart by the time the weekend was over. And I learned something in that, though, that, you know, there were weeks where I was fast. And there was weeks where he was fast. And so we started kind of going over like, OK, well, what made him good right mm-hmm. what made him fast what made me good and what made me fast and and i think for me i had to do some soul searching and kind of try to learn some different driving styles uh, because what made me good also was my Achilles biggest downfall mm-hmm. yeah and so i had really good adaptability i wasn't afraid to search around i would go high low middle you know different lines i was good at that what i couldn't do was make the most out of whatever i was given mm. right i i i tended to look for a certain feel when I couldn't find that I'm just like I'm not good enough it's not going to happen and then you I'm not going to say you give up but if you go at 95% it's not the same as 100% Mm -hmm. right like that 5% is the difference in first and 20th it's not like Mm. it's the difference in first and third it's the difference in first and 20th so you hear the old guys you know from the 70s 80s even the early 90s you could ride at 90% all day. All day. And then where'd he come from? Yep. You turn it on. Now you're lapped down 20 laps in. Yeah. And it's it, on the cup side, it's even more because of all the parity. And, and that's good because it allows you not to slack off, but it's also bad because, you know, our younger generation doesn't know the difference. There's no given, not as much give and take. Right. Like, like Mark Martin, whether you're a fan of Mark or you're not, arguably. I probably respect Mark Martin the most of anybody that I've ever raced against and watched. I, I, I just, I felt like, um, I feel like he, he had a different, he was just different. Mm -hmm. He was built different. He drove different. He raced different. And arguably he's still one of the best NASCAR drivers ever, ever live, but he doesn't have the accolades that maybe some of the others have. Um, and I've always hated that for him because I, I, I believe that more racers should model their, their driving style and their career off of what he was. But that's just not the way that it is anymore. Today, it's it's um, every lap is qualifying, and, and and every lap is it doesn't matter who's around you. If you got to wreck the guy in front of you to get that spot, you wreck the guy in front of you. And you don't even think twice about it. And right. I just, you know, I've I've paid for, I've worked on, I've pulled all nighters, I've done all the things to, you know, kind of get myself to this point as a working racer. And so, like, I just, I don't care whose money it is. It's like watching people light up a $100 bill you yeah, know, just, to light their cigar. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I just, I can't fathom mm-hmm. that. And, you know, nowadays, that's just the nature of it. And, and so, for a great example of that, 
Chili Bowl ended Saturday night, right? Open wheel race in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've run that race for many, many years. I love that race. Probably arguably my favorite race of the year, but I haven't raced the last three or four years. And somebody keeps asking, you know, everybody keeps asking me why. And I say, it doesn't matter if it's my money or somebody else's. The way people are racing right now, I just have no want to go there and get my my stuff destroyed and walk out of there and go, man, I, you know, and I'm not willing to do it either. And that arguably is the only way to win the race. And uh, I watched it happen 300 times over the course of the week. I watched every night and, you know, guys just drive in there and and, um, throw caution to the wind and just go for it. Michael and I started going to races. I moved back to the area. I actually lived in northeastern Illinois for a long time. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was uh, it was a rough time. It was zero there this weekend, right? So anyway, uh, Michael and I uh, went to uh, Homestead to see Tony's last race. Uh, I was a big Stewart guy. And I remember sitting at, at Chicagoland in like 08, 09, and he and Johnson were the two best cars. Johnson would get out, 20 laps in, Tony's tires come in, 48 pulls over, 14 yep. goes by. Or 20 maybe. It was a 20 at the time. doesn't matter. And then the reverse would happen. Yep. And I remember hearing it with Tony and then even with Jimmy at the end of his career, guys would catch him and they'd pull over and let the guy go like Mark Martin would do. Yep. And the crew chiefs would come on and go, you can't keep giving up positions because they're not going to give them back. That's the problem. You know, and, and so I think when you see a lot of these guys that run 20th now, it's because when they started 20 years ago, they let a guy go. And then when the tables turned, They'd get that position back, and that's not how these kids race anymore. Because that's not how they started at eight years old. I I use Ross Chastain as a good example, um, and I'm not knocking on Ross at all. Ross and I have had our differences. If you if you Googled me, um, Ross and I actually come up pretty pretty quickly. Often, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think the when I Googled you, that was the first YouTube clip. I yeah, <laughs> me and Ross at, at Watkins Glen is um, is probably <laughs> um, that's the first and only person that I ever went after ever in my entire career. And I, I don't wreck people's race cars um, because I, I don't, I've had to fix them. Right. I don't want right. to, I don't want to cost somebody money. I don't want to, uh, but I did go after Ross that, that day, but Ross is a great example to me because Ross has always been a talented race car driver. He grew up racing in Florida, super talented, obviously got the NASCAR, super talented, but he struggled to find a home because he raced so aggressively mm-hmm. jumped to today ultra successful, right? Got a great ride, great sponsors. And in some aspects, I mean, he still gets knocked for his driving style a little bit, but in all reality, people have adapted to him way more than they've adapted to me. And, and he's become kind of the poster of what you should race like. And I, I've always found that fascinating because the, five, the 10 years ago, moved. yeah, five, 10 years ago, yeah. he couldn't find that ride because he, he was too aggressive. Now he's just maybe slightly over the top of aggressive, sure, but, but sure. you know, not, and then he's, he calmed down and everybody's like, well, where's Ross at? Why isn't he being more aggressive? <laughs> yeah. Like, why doesn't he drive? Like he was, was like he was driving. And I just find that so amusing because what we thought was, you know, one thing has kind of transitioned over time. And, um, you know, I guess in some ways I'm not willing to, to, to do that. I'm not willing to change. Uh, but I also feel like, you know, for me, um, in my career, you know, I'm closer to the end of my career than I am the beginning of it. I have no interest in that. Like, I'm going to keep racing the way that I race. And I feel like when I, when I leave the sport, I want people to remember me for the person that I was and the way that I raced versus how many wins there were sure. on the, the, the record book. Mm-hmm. And, um, not everybody agrees with that way, but I just always have felt like that's a, that's a big deal to me. So 
we do want to get into your history, but while we're on the subject of driving style, you had a you have a teammate who two years ago was about to go to the final four to race for a title and his teammate knocked him out of the way at Martinsville. What what was that like on the racetrack after? I mean, what's the garage's reaction? Is that just like, well, cost of doing business? I mean, I know the fans jumped all over the 54 for that. And then there was the whole, he wins it and his dad. I mean, there was what a complicated set of emotions. But at the time, what was your take? I mean, what what's your reaction to that? Well, I think it depends on what side of what side of allegiances you are on. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon and I have raced together for a long time. I'm really good friends with Brandon. So in my mind, it was probably the stupidest thing they could have done. Now, granted, you know, Brandon was leaving. He was coming to Junior Motorsports. They already knew that. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of played against Brandon in that sure. scenario. But on the other side of it, you know, I, I look back on it now and I'm just, I'm, I'm still blown away mm-hmm. that that even could happen. Right. And Hey, I look to 2023 and I look at the way that Martinsville ended and both of those attempts have benefited me greatly. Right. Yeah. Because if Brandon doesn't get crashed, I don't make the final four two years ago. Uh, this year, if the two and the 21 don't race each other like they do, I don't make the final four. Right. So like anything can it will happen. Yeah. Have yeah that's right. <laughs> but, but honestly, like Martinsville, if I become the aggressor, I don't make the final four. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, being the person that I am and the race, the style that I raced, that's the only thing that saved me. So it's like for every time I can say it probably cost me a win or it cost me a few spots this year and that year uh both it's it's allowed me to make the final four so you know i I don't know um you know brandon and i have never really talked about it i gave him a big hug uh that night and obviously at that point you know my emotions are i'm high on emotion right because i'm like (laughs) compared to him right yeah right yeah yeah yeah. um you know he's at the the lowest of lows and i'm at the highest of highs because we got a shot at going for a championship now but you know when everything ended you know obviously we go to phoenix none of the three of us at junior motorsports win the championship and then, you know, Coy passes away the night after the race. You know, I, I remember I was sitting in the airport. I got a phone call asking me if I was still in Phoenix and if I could drive the, the Ty's cup car that next day. And uh, I remember thinking, that's an odd, mm. odd question. You know, Toyota Chevy. versus Chevy and, you know, not having that relationship. And, um, you know, we we tend to have a lot of, like for me, Chevrolet is, you know, I... I don't even know how you would ask that question, right? Like, I don't even know how you would ever go in and say, hey, Joe Gibbs Racing asked me to drive this this car for them. Can I switch manufacturers? Can I switch right. teams? Mm-hmm. So we're sitting there at the airport, and I'm like, man, I'm, I am, I can't figure, like, did Ty party too hard? Like, you know, I don't know this scenario. Mm-hmm. And then we get a phone call with what happened, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure everybody would agree to anything that needed to happen today to make that to make the circumstances. Now, granted, obviously, that's not what ended up happening, and and the right person ended up driving it. But, you know, I I told my wife, we're sitting there, and we find out what happens, and I said, you know, I was really sad we didn't win a championship until right now. And now, the right person won the championship. Because if if he didn't win it, mm-hmm. you know, his last thought would have been of the disappointment from mm-hmm. the week before, right? Because mm-hmm. Coy was very outspoken about how uh, he did not approve of what Ty did and, yep. and all those things. So in, in my mind, like I think about my relationship with my dad and I remember the good, but it could be just as easy if I screwed up and mm-hmm. you got the bad. And it, you know, it's a screw up, right? At the end of the day, yeah, we race cars for a living, but like there's still mistakes are, ha- are made, sure. you know, so whatever. And, and he is young. Absolutely. People forget. I mean, he's 
it's still what, a very, 20, very young man. Yeah. 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 So, you know, the fact for me is like he got to have that moment with his dad and joyous moment. He succeeded. You know, everybody was happy. So, you know, you never know when your last day is, right? That's um, right. And so, you know, I think I think the best scenario came out of it. Now, that all being said, you know, does Brandon win the race if – I mean, he won the spring race, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, just Brandon win the race and win the championship. And then, you know, so all these scenarios have played out time and time again. And I think that, um, he, you know, for me, I listen, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in Christ. Um, I've, I've always, I've always believed that if it's gonna, if it's gonna happen, that's how it's meant to happen. And, sure. And, uh, not everybody is, so everybody has a different way of looking at how it is. But for me, that's just kind of where I've gone with it is like, look, this is what I believe. And, and, uh, I'm not going to try and change it if 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 it happens a certain way. Right. God's got a plan. Yeah, God's got a plan for it, and and I may not know it today. I may not know it tomorrow. I may not even know it when I get to heaven. But um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep moving and figure out the next thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. while we're on the subject, before we get into your story, because I wanted to know this. So you mentioned 2022. You guys had three of the four cars in the championship final. You don't win the title. But then we find out that there are major changes at Junior Motorsports. Were those changes, you you obviously got Jim Pullman as your crew chief, who you won an ARCA title with in 08, came from RCR. Were those changes in the works prior to Junior Motorsports not winning the title? Can you can you take us behind the scenes of how all that went down? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna like this story. So the Monday after Phoenix, I get a phone call. Um, and I walk into L.W. Miller, which is our, uh, he's, uh, Keller and Hart Miller's husband. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would say it doesn't really get any higher than L.W. He's, he's kind of in charge of personnel, but Kelly and L.W. I would say more or less run the company. Sure. Right. Okay. So I go in, I sit down with, uh, with L.W. and, and, um, Mike Bumgarner, our competition director. And I assumed, based on what I thought we were having meeting, you know, we don't have a competition meeting the Monday after Phoenix. We do after every other race, but right. we don't have to have one after me, after Phoenix. He called me on Sunday, asked me if I'd come in. I just assumed that I I knew there were some rules changes. I knew that there were some things that were going in the works. I just assumed that we were going to go have a meeting on, like, how do we get better, right? I'd had seven-plus years with Jason Burdett, my old crew chief. A majority of the people on my race team had been the same since day one. And so I walk in this room, and I should have... I should have read the wall and, and gone, wait a minute, this probably isn't going in my favor. Um, <laughs> but I, I sat down and uh, they're like, all right, here's the deal. We're going to make a change from top to bottom. And we're going to change crew chiefs, mechanics, engineers, everybody from top to bottom on all four cars. We're going to put people that have never worked together with each other, but I need your, I need you to buy in and be on board. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so who's going to be my crew chief? And they're like, well, we don't know. And, they're like, here's the board, and there was there was five names on the board, and a bunch of names that were scratched off. Right, uh, there's probably 25 names on the board, and mm, no kidding, only like five all of, internal or even including external. External, lines. yeah, like anybody. Okay, like they had to back up a little bit. They were looking for a crew chief for the A car for Josh Berry. They had exhausted option and option and option for the last three months trying to find a crew chief. Right, Josh ultimately picked Taylor Moyer which was already in our shop. So they weren't really sure who was going to do what, but now they were, you know, they'd already interviewed a bunch of people. So like that list was pretty well gone through. And those five names were like, they were it. They were, right. those were the only names. And so 
I'm like, holy cow. And I'm looking at the list of people and I'm like, okay, well, this guy wouldn't be bad. I don't really know this guy. Uh, <laughs> this guy's really young, doesn't have any experience as a crew chief. So like, you know, you're trying to go through all these, these thought processes in your head and you're trying to say, okay, they're like, and we need to know by five o'clock today. Mm. I'm like, mm. oh, holy cow. All right. Um, so I walked out of the meeting and I picked up the phone and uh, Jim Pullman and I had stayed in contact. We really, really good friends uh, for the last number of years. And I called him and I said, you know anybody who wants a crew chief in Xfinity car? And he said, well, who's Xfinity car? And I said, mine. And he said, I'm confused. Like you and Jason have been together for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I don't understand. I was like, well, they're making a change top to bottom. Everybody's going. I said, I got to find somebody. He said, well, are you asking me or are you, you looking for opinions? And I said, <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I said, uh, you know, I don't know what you're, what, where, you know, I know where you're at, but like, I don't know what you think of it. Or are you happy? Or he's like, man, I got no want to be a crew chief. He said, but the problem is, he said, I do have want to be a crew chief if it's you. He said, but I wouldn't even entertain if it was somebody else. And he's like, but man, you just put me in a spot. He said, I'm under contract for another year. He's like, I finally got things kind of sorted. He's like, man, you know, emotionally, if I don't take this role, this is going to kill me. I'm like, well, if you're interested, I said, I need to make an answer like real quick. So long story short, we had to ask for approval. You know, we had to ask for him to get out of his contract. A lot of different, a lot of different things needed to happen. Um, I interviewed a couple of people that were on the list in person that day. I mean, literally, you were talking about like stuff happened fast. Mm-hmm. And um, hmm. we finally got a hold of somebody at RCR that, that could help. And uh, they basically told Jim like, hey, I'm going to let you go talk to him. Go after hours tonight, right? Go talk to him. But I really hope you come back tomorrow morning and you tell me that you want to stay here. And uh, Jim came to the shop that night. He got the shop about 8 o'clock at night. We went through and LW and I took him on a tour of the shop and we talked about different things and, and did kind of the, the, the interview and he said, I'm in. If they'll let me out, I'm in. Next morning he went in and, and uh, asked for asked, asked to do the job. And then that's when it got sketchy because then, you know, I had to tell him that day. So then we kind of moved it to the next day and then we asked and we we didn't hear anything for like a week. And JRM was starting to get really nervous because like, we kind of needed, we'd already, one of the guys, like probably their main pick, we'd already turned him down because he needed to make an answer from another job. We finally got an answer back and, and got the approval. And it was like, uh, probably the coolest thing that ever happened. Cause like Jim and I are great friends and, and there's nobody that I believe in more on the box than, than Jim. And so when he came over, um, that was a big deal. And, uh, so it was, it's, it's been a lot of fun. We've, we've had a great relationship. He's created a, an atmosphere at our shop that, Honestly, a lot of the other crew chiefs have, have um, you know, really taken a liking to, to Jim and, and looked up to his style and, uh, you know, the work ethic that he's got. And so it's been really good for, for everybody at our shop and definitely um, had good performance this year. We yeah, I didn't win a championship. We finished second again. But um, at the same time, you know, I think year two becomes better. Year three, you know, as long as we are able to work together, I think we got a, we got a good good go at it. So we've, we've talked to a few different drivers, um, you know, over the years about relationships and for you, is it that personal trust and belief? The like, is it, you know, some guys really want technical expertise. Some guys want you know different aspects. For you, is it really like, I know this guy, I love this guy, I believe in this guy. Is that is that what works best for you with a crew chief, or does it is each relationship different? And it and it just depends on everyone is different. Yeah, and it's it's 
not even like okay, I don't have a style. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, a lot of people say it's like being married. Like I, I don't prefer blonde or brunettes in this in this scenario, right? What I prefer is somebody that I truly believe believes in me, mm-hmm. and that I also feel like matches my passion. Sure. So, you know, as as teams, drivers, mechanics, whatever, you kind of get out what you put in, right? Like if you're willing to put the time in, you kind of get the results from it, right? But it's it's everybody. It's There's four of us sitting at a table. If one of us doesn't do the work, um, the other three either have to pick that slack up, right? Or they just, they're only at 75%. It doesn't get done. That's right. right. And so for us, that's kind of where I stand. I wanted somebody that I can only do so much during the day, right? And, you know, obviously uh, at softball, you saw me at the tournaments that I can make it at. You saw mm-hmm. me at practices I can make it at. And you were in the same boat, right? You missed a lot because of work, son, you know, whatever you want, like whatever is going on in the world, right? It just becomes difficult. And so for me, um, I wanted somebody that could, you know, I didn't have any extra time to put to it. So I needed somebody that I knew was going to match that. And and then also be able to create a working environment with the people that we got put with our car to be able to be successful, right? I mean, (laughs) when I looked at the group of guys that we got uh, for 2023, there wasn't an ounce of my mind that could figure out how we were going to merge all all these hmm. personalities together, right? Because everybody <laughs> on our team was different. Sure. Hmm. And by and by June, I was like, man, I wouldn't want anybody else, right? And that's that's literally what what Jim was able to accomplish was he merged all these these different styles and different personalities together, and we made one really good really good environment. And um, that's that's kind of the beauty of Junior Motorsports, really. I look at all of our race teams and, and we all have like a really good, like the nucleus is really good. So then everything kind of goes out from there and, and you're able to create these little environments and then you know, all the crew chiefs worked well together. All the drivers worked well together. All the mechanics worked well together. And there's a lot to be said for that, right? Absolutely. It's just like working at a, at a, at a job. If everybody's happy and you can work with everybody, it makes life a lot easier. Sure. You know, if, mm-hmm. if everybody's miserable or even if one guy's miserable, you know, it, it drags everybody down. So, we kind of have that uh, good working working relationship at our shop. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask you what what makes Junior Motorsports so special, and it sounds like it's relationships. It's people. Pe- people being yep. able to put those things together and work well together. Maybe put their differences or just everybody rowing together. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know I've always said um, steel and 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 metal and and fiberglass. You know, you can mold it, shape it, make it whatever you want to make it, but without somebody there running the hammer uh or 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 running the wrenches um mm-hmm. it's it's just that it's it's a raw inanimate material you know and i think that that's where you know i've i i tend to value people a lot in life right i don't really value things or stuff or what somebody can do per se i value the person and then we'll figure out the rest of it right because you can okay. you can supplement whatever uh like different bottles of water here on the table <laughs> We can supplement out the different bottle and put a soda or put a iced tea or whatever, but the person's still the same, right? Or the person making that's still the same. And I think that, you know, for me, um, I've just always valued people. I feel like this world goes around and it's all people. And um, mm-hmm. and so I think that that's what makes our shop so good. We have good people. We have people that value the sport. We have people that value the history of the sport. You know, kind of what we were talking about earlier. We have people that a lot of Dale Jr.'s family work at our shop. So like is as, as odd as it sounds like they don't want the ship to, to go down because 
you know, they think about their family members that it would also affect, right? Dale is very cognizant of that, of, you know, not only does he have a race team and he's got an obligation to that race team, but he's also got you know, a lot of family that work there that rely on him kind of every day. And um, that makes a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, take us, if we can, we'll take a step back and walk through. Man, you can hit the highlights. You can walk us through this however you want to. I know your parents were a big part of you getting where you are. They're still a big part of your life. Uh, growing up in the Midwest, I think you raced for your dad. Yep. Kind of walk us through, you know, how you went from your hometown to where you are now. What got you into racing? What are some kind of key moments along the way that have, you know, made Justin Allgaier Justin Allgaier? Uh, the best one I, I, I like to tell is how I got started in racing. So, you know, being in the tire business, my dad traveled a lot. He was always gone. He would call in every night you know, and, and, um, check in on the family, make sure everybody was good. Now this is the racing tire business. Yeah. This is the racing tire still, business. Yeah. He still has. Yeah. So, okay. so I'm thinking it's like 55 years now oh, in business wow. for my dad with the tire business. So, so is that Hoosier? Yeah. Hoosier, is, Hoosier okay. racing tire. Yep. So we're the Midwest distributor for Hoosier racing tire. So okay. they've got about 12 distributors in the United States, multiples all over the world. Is he trying to get him back into NASCAR like the nineties? Uh, no, because he <laughs> lived that. So we actually, uh, we Wasn't serviced, there? we serviced all of the Arca series for years. Really? And, um, yeah, so my dad actually got Hoosier into Arca. We did all the ad track sales, all the service. Um, we serviced, we helped them service the cup series events. Like it was no kidding. Yeah, that was, a. Wow. I remember those tire oh. wars. It was crazy. Crazy doesn't even begin to describe yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. it, it, it it's a time in my life that honestly I'd probably like to forget because it <laughs> it, it created a lot of chaos. Um, I, I got to go to a lot of cup races as a young child. So that was cool. But, um, you know, so my dad would always call in at night whenever he was, whenever he was, you know, off the road or you could get to the hotel room. I mean, back then we'd have cell phones, right? So right. he'd pick up the, uh, yeah, he'd pick <laughs> yeah, up the, the hotel rotary, phone. The rotary. Yeah. Um, and so my mom was always trying to find stuff to do to keep me from wanting to go watch races with my dad right because I'd, I'd already had that opportunity so she wanted to find stuff to do so she took me um i was five at the time she took me to watch a buddy of mine joey mohan he was seven uh he was he was a veteran he was an old guy in this in this in this uh um but he was racing quarter midgets at the time and so she took me to a race so my dad calls that night and i'm going a million miles an hour hey dad have you ever seen quarter midgets they're the coolest race cars in the world and i think i should drive one and blah 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 and he's like, no. And I was like, come on, you know, we can do this. And he's like, no. And I said, but mom said. Oh, and no. he's like, Uh-oh. put your mother on the phone. Oh, no. So I was like, well, you know, John told us that he could come drive Joey's car and practice it. And, you know, we just, maybe we could get a car and play around with it. And my dad's like, no. <laughs> like, if we're going to go racing, we're going to go racing. And, like, we're going to put the effort into it. Like, I'm not, I'm not just going to be willing to just let him go out there and just make laps. Like, if we're going to race, we're going to race. It's our business. We we can't go out there and right. just let them. You can't be running last and then try right. to sell Hoosier race tires. Right. That's right. So um, I ended up splitting a car with Joey. Uh, we raced the same car for the whole rest of the season. Um, he ran senior. I ran junior. So, like, I would race, come out, and I couldn't see over the dash because uh, he was a little taller than I was. So I couldn't see over the dash, but I drove it. Um but I would get out of the car and then they would take the, the carburetor off and they had a, a, a little uh, spacer in there, like a restrictor plate. I would race. They'd come in, take the restrictor plate off, put it back, put the carburetor back on. Joey would climb in and he would go race the next race. I mean, literally, we were back to wow. back. So, like, if one mm. of us crashed, it was kind was of it. a, a yeah, big yeah. deal. 
Um, so at the end of the year for that, that Christmas, I'll never forget, you know, I opened all my Christmas presents and, and, um, my mom's like, Oh, we got, we got one more present for you. And so we walked towards our, our, uh, back and opened the garage door and here's a quarter midget. It was the car that I had been driving with Joey. They, they bought that car. But then they had it redone and custom painted. And, oh, um, cool. So it was like, mm. oh, that's cool. And now you're six at this time? Uh, no, I still would have been five. five. I hadn't okay. had my sixth birthday yet. Okay. I, I had my sixth birthday the next June. Mm. And uh, that was it, man. I was hooked, and that was the bug. Um, so, you know, I raced around the Midwest, um, started racing mini outlaw or uh, uh, micro sprints like they race here at Millbridge in, in, in Mooresville. And then at the age of 13 uh, was kind of when it got real. Uh, that's we bought a super delay model at the time so i would race monday tuesday here in charlotte practice monday race tuesday in a bandolero uh, so did they move here How no did... no the, we had okay. a motorhome we okay. drove everywhere okay so so i would race monday tuesday here i'd race wednesday night in indianapolis with oh. a kenny midget uh thursday friday saturday i would race with the uh micro sprint and sunday i would race the delay model in southern missouri and then we would drive all night and we would get here like sometime Monday afternoon and then we would practice Bandolero. Oh. And this went on for Oh my word. Like the ten weeks of summer that we raced the summer shootout. Like the shootout. That that's whole, the whole summer. It was seven days a week wide open. Wow. wow. And um A lot of track time. A lot of track time. We'll never forget that. So that was kind of like wild and crazy time. And then uh, at the age of sixteen, uh Kenny Schrader gave me an Arca car. No um, kidding. Yeah, so he had an old car that was sitting out back. They had converted it. Nobody fit in it. Uh, it was an old ASA car that they converted into an art car. But back then, the ASA cars were real short in the middle. And so this car had a really long front clip on it. Uh-huh. and But it looked normal because the way they hung the body. But like when you got in it, if you were over, you know, five seven you couldn't your fit. knees were in your, in your throat you know <laughs> like i'll never forget the pedals were like right under the dash bar like the it was so weird i i actually love that car we still have that car because i could sit all the way back right like i could sit all the way where my everything was back i could touch everything so we ran the dirt races and that was kind of my foray into the arca series and and um did that part-time for a couple of seasons and then shoot oh six oh seven somewhere in that range we started racing full-time uh, in the ARCA series and went on to win the, the ARCA championship in 08. In 2008, though, uh, we were in Pocono, Pennsylvania. I had run really good there, but hadn't won there. A uh, friend of a friend came over and it's like, hey, I, I want to introduce you to this guy. Um, been telling him a lot about you. He's a great guy. You know, love to meet him. So I meet this guy, and at the time, I don't really know who he is. All I knew is that I was late for driver introductions. Oh, no. um, and so I stood and I talked, and I'm I always feel like I'll be late to something um, to give people time, like I, you know, going back to the people thing. Um, so I uh, I took time with him and I said, "Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, cut this off." I said, "But I'm gonna be late for driver interviews. I can't really afford to start at the back today." No, no problem. Okay, go on. Well, come to find out, uh, this is Michael Nelson, and he was uh, one of the main main people at, at at Team Penske. Right. And so I got a phone call about a week later and said, "Hey, would you be willing to come have lunch with us here at the shop?" Sure. Um, I didn't know if they thought I lived here. I didn't really care. Uh, I spent, <laughs> so you're still living in in Illinois. Yeah. Okay. And making no money. Literally, my dad had told me like a week before that that um, we were out of money and that we weren't going to be able to race Arca for the rest of the season. And uh, I won that race by the way that day. That was like the first time I'd won at Pocono. That was pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, I I literally like maxed out my my bank account, bought a ticket to Charlotte, came here, had lunch with these guys. And uh, I'll never forget, 
uh, Tim Sendrick and, and Mike Nelson went to lunch with me. We went to, um, I'm drawing a blank. What's the barbecue joint with all the cars? Um, Lancaster's. Lancaster's. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know why I couldn't think of that. Uh, we went to Lancaster's <laughs> and um, I offered to buy lunch. And they're like, no, not not gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> you're like, thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. I, I have money. Yeah, I have I'm gonna trade in my te- my plane ticket. Um, <laughs> but they're like, well, hey, we don't really have anything for you. We just wanted to get to know you a little bit. And you know, Michael had a lot of good things to say about you. And you know, we just wanted to get to know you a little bit. Which I did get a tour of the shop. Like they walked me around like for an hour at the shop. Now my jaw was on the floor. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure. I'm like, you have more resources in one drawer of a toolbox than I have in my entire <laughs> race team. But long story short. About two weeks after that, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. Got a phone call. Said, hey, Roger is going to be at Chicago. Um, you guys race there with Indy cars. Would you be willing to stay for Sunday and, and come meet Roger? Well, it worked out perfectly because we were planning to go to Ikea. Um, in Schaumburg? In Schaumburg. Because... <laughs> Been there many times. Um, yeah, we needed some furniture for our house. We were we were, um, we were trying to figure out some furniture. And so my wife's like, well, we can stay. And my parents can stay. And then um, we'll just drive over to Schaumburg. We'll go to Ikea and we'll get some furniture. And uh, that's not the end of the fr- Ikea furniture. I'll tell you that in a minute. But uh, So we, so I I go to um, Chicago. I meet Roger Penske. Go to his motorhome. Like, couldn't have asked for anything better. And uh, I had one other deal that was on the table, but I didn't know if it was going to work, if it wasn't going to work. And I said, hey, I said, you know, after this phone call happened, I said, I've been getting some pressure to sign this contract. I said, I don't really want to sign it, but they, they've given me a deadline of, you know, Tuesday. So I kind of need to know, like, cause they were talking about maybe trying to find something for me in this, in this meeting in the motorhome. And so Roger said, give me 24 hours. Sure. Like, okay. No problem. So we leave the motorhome. We go, go to Ikea. And I'm like, I'm like walking around the aisles and Ashley's like, what do you think of this? I'm like, you're, you're spaced like, out. I, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't care. care. <laughs> Whatever. So, um, Roger Penske was just in our motorhome. That's yeah, right. How can I yeah. think about a coffee table right, right. now? <laughs> so I, um, I get a phone call as we're driving home, said, Hey, uh, 6am tomorrow morning, there'd be a plane lands in Springfield, jump on the plane you fly up to Michigan, meet with Roger and you know, then we'll go home. Okay. So 6 a.m., I'm like, keep my eyes open. I don't even know if I'm at the right airport. Uh, my dad and I get on a plane. We fly to, we fly to Detroit. We go into uh, Mr. Hen- or Mr. Penske's um, hangar and uh, go in this office. And we're sitting down, and he's laying out basically what would end up being a contract, right? And, and Tim Sindrick is writing everything down on a yellow legal pad, right? So Roger says, all right, here's the deal. We can sign this right here, this legal pad, if you want to do this, or you want to take a couple of days, I'll have it drafted up and we'll send you an actual contract. And I said, well, while I would love to sign that contract right there, I, I do feel like there's a lot of other people in my life that this is going to affect pretty adversely, which in hindsight, I probably should have just signed the piece of paper and been done with it. But um, I said, there's a lot of other people that's going to affect it. You know, most importantly, my wife, I said, I'd like to at least have this conversation with her before I sign a contract. And you know, change the rest of our lives. And, and, uh, he understood completely. The only funny part of the whole deal was, you know, I mentioned we flew up there on Mr. Hendrick, or I keep saying Mr. Hendrick, Mr. Mr. Pinsky's plane. Um, I got a set of, uh, Ava's rental car keys and said, here's your transportation back home. The plane is in use for other meetings. <laughs> so you got to drive back home and it's like eight hours it's back not, home. Yeah. And, uh, hilarious. <laughs> so long story short, I, I called my wife on the way home and we went over the whole thing and, and, uh, yeah, I, 
they gave me a contract. I signed it, and uh, kind of the rest is history. I mean, I you moved here then? I yeah. So I moved here, uh, got an apartment, and uh, I don't know. I guess we rented a house. We rented a house here, not in a great spot for for going to work at at Team Penske. Then we went to IKEA and we bought more furniture because we had we had more rooms at the house here that we had to we had to so we in, bought in more. Concord yeah right. the one yeah yeah yeah. yeah yeah not ideal I remember we had a bunch of friends that helped me move and so right. we uh, we got here we went straight to IKEA we bought we bought all the furniture and um, one of my friends wrote a uh, not on purpose wrote a dish uh, a washer and dryer down the steps almost went through the wall oh. uh, tripped and and like ended up on top of this thing and went all the way down the steps and hit the wall thought we killed him uh <laughs> we all got so tired of putting furniture together that everybody slept on the floor that night oh. uh, i mean like it was it was the most odd group of people and the most crazy circumstances but um but that's your 20s right like, most fun that was yeah uh, but a lot of fun looking back probably yeah but like looking back days, on it now yeah. yeah most yeah looking back on it yeah yeah um in the moment you're like what are we doing uh-huh. and, and it was like um i feel <laughs> i feel like uh if you've ever watched the the hillbillies Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah. I feel like that's what we look like rolling into town. You know, like we unloaded three hundred boxes of furniture into into a house, and people around us are looking at us like, "What is, what is going, going on?" on? Um, <laughs> but you know what? We survived, and and I've been lucky enough to be around great people, and to obviously end up here where I'm at. You know, things have things have gone good and bad, and you know everything's kind of shaped up to where I am today. And and uh, I wouldn't trade it. Like I, the experiences are what makes makes this journey kind of so much fun for me, and I wouldn't change it. We've had a number of people in here that have worked for Roger Pinsky, yes. and it's it's fascinating to hear the stories about interacting with him and how mm-hmm. how like I'll just send my plane for you like yeah like there's mm-hmm. just such a world I don't think we live in that that you know right but, but I couldn't have afforded the money that it would take just to land at the airport, <laughs> let alone the fuel that it cost. Right. You couldn't have afforded to drive the car back. No, I, I yeah, couldn't afford yeah. to rent the car. I remember yeah. those days, yeah. man, when yeah. you couldn't, you, you know, it's like, we may not have enough gas money to make it home. Yeah. Okay, so you get a contract from Penske, but then you're there for, I think, what, two, three years? Two two years and, and four races. So I ran the the final four races of 08 and then two full seasons, yeah. And then you go to Turner Scott Motorsports, run a few Xfinity seasons there, have some success, win some races, but then take us through the journey of you ended up going to drive the 51 car. Was that your decision? Did you think that you had accomplished everything in Xfinity and were you thought, well, I need to go to Cup? Or how did that happen? <laughs> Short answer is no. Okay. It wasn't my decision. Okay, um, I didn't think so. You know, I've been super lucky that, that Brant Professional Agriculture has, has supported me like they have. And the way that it kind of all worked out, you know, H. Scott ended up with the assets from Turner. It was Turner Motorsports when I started, then it became Turner Scott. Mm-hmm. And then H. Scott ended up with the assets. And then he bought out Phoenix Racing from James Finch. Yep. Right. Um, and so I, I'm always leery, again, going back to people. There's good people and there's bad people in this world, right? And I'm always leery of people um, that I don't really know or don't really have a good good grasp on mm-hmm. um there were some things that happened in the cup deal that made me nervous kind of going in which you know ultimately it wasn't the worst thing that ever happened to me but there were people that 
you know, I'll never know exactly who was deceitful, but long story short, we just didn't end up with the equipment that we were mm. supposed to have. Okay. Right? Gotcha. And, you know, I'll never forget, we got a brand new car to us from, from Hendrick. It was car like 806 or 807. And that same weekend we ran that car, I think Jeff Gordon ran car like 1100. And they don't mm. skip numbers. Like, they, they're consecutive numbers. Uh, and I'm like, I'm in like... Four-year-old equipment. Way old How are we stuff, gonna, yeah. Gonna compete, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we had certain things that were good. Like, our engine package was actually pretty good a lot of places because we we would run some R&D stuff for them. But long story short, Brant decided that for them, that was a really good opportunity, right? Financially, it was a really good opportunity. You know, w- looking back on it now, uh, I don't know that they would have done it. I mean, just the cost of being there on Sundays and you know, even for hospitality and all the other stuff, like mm-hmm. they spent a lot more money um, than what than what they were kind of expecting to. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the Xfinity side kind of makes the most sense, right? Like I, I love where I'm at. I've got great people. And and for them, it makes sense, right? And I think right. that there's a big part of me that, that appreciates that. I mean, if we had to stay on the cup side, I don't foresee them being on the car as long as they have been. And mm-hmm. that relationship is very important to me because they, they are from my hometown, basically. Uh. Rick Brand and I grew up kind of on opposite sides of, of Springfield, Illinois. Uh, he was in Pleasant Plains. I was in Riverton. But, you know, we both grew up very, very near and dear to the lifestyle, right? To the agriculture industry, what that means to Central Illinois. You know, it was very, very important. And so having them as a partner of mine has been a big, big deal. And mm-hmm. so... You know, while the cup deal was fun, we had a certain, you know, we had a few races that were really good. I mean, Bristol comes to mind. I think we finished seventh at Bristol one year. That was really cool. And and wrecked. Like, like I think we could have finished third or fourth had we not gotten wrecked off a of turn two with like five laps to go. I literally just had to creep around for a green wire checker because mm-hmm. my car was so destroyed. But we were still on the lead lap. Like, there was only like seven cars yeah, on the lead lap at 10, that point. Yeah. Um, you know, we had, we... I, I drove by Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon both. And uh, like, that's, I'll never forget those, that feeling. Like, that was thrill. so yeah. cool. But, you know, just things just didn't work out. And I'm, I'm not resentful of that. I, I no. don't, I don't, I wouldn't change it. It was great, great learning experience for me. But I became a person outside of the car that I don't ever want to be again. I couldn't separate work and life. I was miserable. I wasn't running good. You know, I had a lot of value in, at that time, I had a lot of value in performance, right? I had succeeded at every level. We'd won races. Like you get this, this perception that you can make a difference. And then when you can't, you're just like, right. I'm, I'm terrible. I shouldn't drive a race car. I don't want to be here. And it affected me not only at the racetrack, but it affected me in my house. And, uh, that's when I realized that like, I actually was going to walk away from the sport. Um, I was really? done. I wanted no part of it. Now, when was that in 2015? Was that like, ha- like, because I guess what I'm asking All is, of 2015. <laughs> so when does JRM call? Uh, well, that that's a, that's another odd story. Because I, you, I've always wondered about guys like, for example, with your talent, a lot of people say, Justin should be racing on Sundays. But you ran in the back for two years. Yep. And there are guys that do that. I mean, JJ Yaley goes out there every week and yep. runs in the back. I think it'd be a lot more fun to run for wins in Xfinity Series and run in the back. That's my thought process. I mean, not, right? not everybody agrees with that. Corey LaJoy and I completely disagree on that. No kidding. Yeah, like Corey, Corey would rather be on the Cup Series in 35th position than than to not be. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Corey's mm-hmm. had some great runs. He's been ultra successful. And, and honestly, I would argue that his has probably worked out as good or better than mine has. Is that good or bad? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know that there's... Well, to each his own, right? Yeah. 
Um, I still respect Corey for what he's sure. doing, and I think that he's made the most out of what he's given. But I also believe, given the right circumstance, he could go win an Xfinity race or a Xfinity championship or truck races or truck championship. Sure. I think he would be mm-hmm. really good at that. So, you know, there's kind of that differing opinion. You, there are more eyes on Sundays. There are more fans in the grandstands on Sundays. There's also so, more responsibilities and more pressure. Also that, you know. So, like, it just it, if you hit the right moment and you get the right opportunity, it's a game changer, right? right? You know, I would say that for me, one of the most interesting parts, though, about all of this was, like, you know, we ran 2014. I kind of saw the writing on the wall. It wasn't going to get much better in 15. 15 started out slow. So we're at Dover, and they've announced that Clint's going to drive the, the 51 car the next year and like i'm miserable because i know that i'm not going to drive the car and i guess it was probably the next week we were at darlington and um i always laugh with steve latart because i told him i said hey you gotta you gotta figure out qualifying you you can't qualify next to me i said because walking across the stage either right before or right after dale jr is like the most disheartening thing in the world right because it's like <laughs> all the this crowd noise erupts and then, and then they're yeah. like crickets and you're right. like yeah thank you um so anyways uh i guess it was darlington we were we were we qualified right next to each other. We're riding in the truck together. And he's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry about your deal. You know, I'm sorry about how everything went down. And I think he kind of knew, you know, he could put two and two together with what was going on. He's like, I'm kind of going through that junior motorsports right now. And it was really weird because Brant, uh, one of the marketing guys at Brant had given me a number that morning of what they would be, kind of where they were at financially as far as what they would be willing to spend. And... Um, I didn't really know what that looked like, right? I didn't really know kind of where to take that. I didn't know what to do with it. But I just kind of had it in the back of my mind. And uh, so Dale and I are talking. He's like, we're kind of going through that right now. You know, Regan's Regan's going to be out. We're trying to find somebody to fill a seven car. You know, we're trying to figure all this out. And I said, well, what do you need to do it? And uh, he gave me the exact number to a T. Which, oh, and wow. it wasn't like an even number. It was a, a exact number to a T of what they needed for sponsorship. And I was like, would you have any interest in me driving your car? He's like, heck yeah, man, that'd be cool. You know, you feel like you've been really good. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, uh, have your people call my people. I'm not really sure how that works. I don't really have people, but yeah, we'll figure this out. <laughs> and, uh, wow. Like within two weeks, we had a deal to go to drive. This is awesome. in the back of a truck. Wow. In Darlington. It, yeah. For pre-race. After, after yeah. driver yeah. intros. Now. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. so cool. Yeah. That is amazing. And so that's Darlington in the spring? The fall. Oh, it is the fall. the fall. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, at least it makes, at least you knew you had something, right? Because you're sitting there staring wow. at being, going back to work in a real job. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Like, like, Think I'm about that. That's so, that's amazing. That's... It, it was, it was one of the coolest things. And Dale, like, I don't even know if he knows the gravity of it, right? But like, it was, it was a big deal to me. And I think that's why I'm still at Junior Motorsports this day, right? I think that's what, what's made the most difference for me is like why I'm still here doing it. So well, I think you're cool. happy. I am. I mean, granted, you know, would I love to go be successful on the cup side? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm not. Would I mean, what would it take? What would it take? Do you wonder the crack at it? Would you take it? Would, I mean, if it was the right opportunity, yes. But I'm also old enough and wise enough to know that I'm not just going to be the guy that goes out there just to do it, just to say that I did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm not. Mm-hmm. I guess in some ways I'm not trying to prove a point anymore. Like I'm, I'm very comfortable with. You want me to drive I'm, your race car? I'll drive it, but yeah. I'm not going to get there and. Well, no, like I would put the work in. Like no, I, no, but what I mean is, you're not, you're not having to prove to anybody that Justin Allgaier <laughs> is a. No, I, I'm not quality race car driver. You know, you want me, I'll come drive and put the work in, but I'm yes. not going to beg for it. Yeah, and I and I. In some ways, that's a bad thing because, like, my phone hasn't rang because I 
because I've publicly said that I'm very happy in the Xfinity series. But on the other side of it, like I am very happy. I'm happy with where I'm at. I'm happy with the car. There's still unfinished business that I've, I, I, the back of my mind says that I could still go there and be successful. I could still go there and be competitive. Even at 37 years old, I feel like I have the tools, the resources and the talent to go do it. But again, we talked about crew chiefs earlier. You got to get the right crew chief with the right car, with the right team, with the right sponsor. I mean, you're asking to find a needle in a haystack to go be successful. And that, that doesn't always happen. And I think that's where I kind of struggle with it is like, yes, I would go do it in a heartbeat. I just, don't want to do it the wrong way okay here's a question you're 37 and let's say you had the so choose between these two things if you can you probably know what one of the choices is so one of the choices is you're going to run the next three years until you're 40 in a cup ride and you're going to run between average finish of between 20 and 25 every now and then you might sniff the top 10 or one xfinity title um one xfinity title okay yeah, I mean, I listen, I... You've been wanting it for so long, and you've been deserving of it for so long. Well, thank you. But on the other side of that, I think I think here's where I'm at. I have come to grips with retirement too many times, mm. right? Like, I've come to, like... Like, a lot of people don't have that opportunity, right? They either end up getting retired whether they want to or not, or they kind of uh, forcefully are retired... You know, some people get that opportunity. They go, okay, you know, I'm old enough. I made, I made enough money. My problem is I've not made enough money to just say, hey, I'm going to walk away and go live on an island somewhere. Like, I'm not right. I've not done that. You know, yeah, I've made a good living in this sport, but not not anywhere close to what a lot of the cup guys make, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So if I if I walk away tomorrow, I'm going to get a real job, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work a desk job, or I'm going to work 9 to 5, whatever. You know, I'm lucky enough in the fact that, you know, I know kind of what my future is. I, you know, go run the tire business. Um, I feel like I can be successful with that. You know, Rick Brandt and I have discussed multiple times about going to work for Brandt, you know, when I'm done racing. Okay. So like, I feel like I'm in a little bit of a different situation where I kind of know that I have backup plans. Yeah. I, you know, that's not really the right word for it, but like I have options, but on the other side of it, you know, I've kind of told everybody like 40, 40, I, like, I don't know if that's the right number or not. You know, I get to 40 and then I'm going to decide. If Just I can make number. it to 40, then I say, okay, at, at 40, like I, then I can decide. What I can mm-hmm. tell you though is probably the hardest thing that I deal with right now is the balancing of racing, work, and family. Mm-hmm. I love watching my daughter play softball. Yeah. I love watching her grow up. I love watching my youngest one grow up. You know, my youngest one is going to have the benefit that there's enough of an age gap. I'm going to be retired by the time she's sure. right. <clears throat> my, my oldest daughter's age. So I'll have arguably maybe more time to you know be a part of things like you know what i'm what i'm missing now but probably the hardest part for me is not being there you know not being able to be a part of it watching my wife struggle to gather up all the stuff and go to the tournaments and to take our youngest and chase her around at the tournaments and you know that's the kind of stuff that man i look at i'm like man i don't want to miss that and if i race on sundays that becomes even harder like right, i, I sure. still get some you know, leniency to be able to go to some tournaments. I mean, we run 33 races, whereas cups 38, you know, a lot of, even, you know, for us, like we play a lot of games on Saturday. So I'm, I'm racing on a Friday night. I can make it or whatever. So I have some leniency in that regard. If I, if I give that up now, I miss everything for my, my oldest daughter. And, uh, <laughs> there's days that she probably would love me to miss because I'm competitive and I want to see her do well. And, <laughs> and uh, I don't, I don't let her just slide by and just, you know, be okay with it. Um, 
but on the other side of it, like, I don't want that. I want, I want to have a good relationship with her as far as that goes. And I want her to know that I'm in her corner. And, you know, I'm, I'm very adamant that like when I'm home, if you want to go practice softball, you want to go out in the yard and throw a ball, I'm all in. If you want to sit on the couch, watch a movie, I'm all in. Like I'm, I don't really care what she decides to do as she gets older or either one of them for that matter. I don't care if either one of them want to play sports, if they want to drive race cars. I, I don't, I don't care what I, what I told both of them is that I'll be there to support them both at a hundred percent at whatever, whatever level they want to be at. And, uh, my dad was that way. My mom was that way. And that's just where I'm at with it. And so I have a responsibility as a dad to, to, to manage that mm-hmm. as best I can. Now there's certain things that I can't manage. Um, but I, I try really hard to manage the best I can and, and to be there for them, you know, as much as I can be. Has your oldest ever shown any interest in zero? Oh yeah, no. I mean, part I assumed I, I my just, youngest yeah. one wants everything to do with it right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that's not <laughs> two, good. The youngest is two, right? Yeah, two, two and a half. Two yeah. and a half. Okay. Yeah. So when we were home for Christmas, my youngest one wanted to get my first quarter midget, the one I told you I got for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wanted to get it down off the wall because she said that's her car. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, and my dad, oh, my dad lit up like a Christmas tree. Uh, he was like. We can have a car here tomorrow, and we can do this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. 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 <laughs> but um, you know, my oldest, um, she's into everything. So right now, we're doing cheerleading, we're doing horseback riding, obviously softball. My oldest loves to crochet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that that's been an interesting one for me. So we were at Hobby Lobby one day, and uh, she's in the crochet aisle, and there's like three eighty plus year old women, <laughs> like like they're talking about crochet, and, Harper. and Harper's like listening. And the smile that was on her face was like, not everybody that's listening can see this table, but it was as big as this table. And she's just in her height of glory. And I'm like, I took a picture of her and sent it to my wife. And I said, Harper hanging out with all of her friends. And it's these like 385 year old women. And, uh, but she loves, loves crocheting. And I'm just like, how and why? And um, so anyways, she's got a lot of, me in her but she's also she's actually she acts a lot like my mom which Mm. is which is really odd uh but they say it skips a generation but she she and my mom definitely have a lot of similarities that um it's pretty wild pretty wild to watch so i'll I'll be interested to see what she wants to do as she gets older uh she's very into art she loves like the art side of things so i don't know i don't know what it looks like but um she's definitely arguably probably one of the smaller ones on the softball team and uh she's got a lot of fight in her she's got a lot of fight in her she loves she loves playing the game and and she pushes really hard and and so i'm proud of her for that but uh she's like me she never really got the height stick we never really we never really learned how to grow i guess well and it is fun with your kids because you kind of have this image of who they might be when they're growing up and my oldest is a very good artist uh drawing and my wife and i we can't do stick figures and it's like where where in the dna did that come from you know like did anybody in your extended no, family? No. No, not that we're aware of. See, my grandfather drew a lot. And so I got a lot of art from my oh, grandfather. Neat. My dad can't draw. Neither can my mom. But um my my grandfather was an artist and I I used to sit and draw for hours. Um I love I love art. Every kind of art. Um I used to decal my own race cars. Oh, that's fun. So like I I, I love it. So they the, ever the fact, let you design one of them with their JRM? Um I've I've helped um i've never actually fully designed one but um we have right now we got a guy that works at our shop named ryan williams that i don't even want to design one because i'm like i'm only gonna pale in comparison to whatever he comes up with so there's not even a reason for me to to start but um yeah i love it so that's a beautiful segue talking about art talking about your daughter harper designs your 
playoff helmets, correct? She paints them. Yeah, she, she designs them, and paints them. And yeah. she's done this for how long and how did it get started? I think this is five or six years now um, of different ones that she's done. Um, so this all started as a surprise to me. So she actually paints the helmet. Wow. Yeah. So 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 the starting one, obviously it you know whatever she was probably five i guess four or five my helmet painter greg he painted like some blocks of color and then she came in and they they put her handprints on it she drew with her fingers in some areas with some different paint colors uh, but for the most part like he kind of painted it and then she just filled in some of the, the gaps so then year two you know he kind of helped her and like held her hand while they airbrushed and painted some stuff and um you know, so so year one they surprised me. They filmed it all, and I got to watch the process, and then I got oh. to watch the helmet. Right. So every year, then we've we've done this, and we've we've filmed it. I don't get to see it. I don't get to know what it's going to be like. I don't get to pick anything. So every year they do this process, and now like they just kind of tape it up and get it prepped, and then let her go to town. She does, and it. she she airbrushes, she paints. Now Greg will go in and do some touch up work, and and he'll mm. he'll kind of coach her through what she's going to have to do. But for the most part, he allows her some some creative freedom with everything and how to how to paint it, and um, that's been really cool. Like I I see her in all of those helmets, but on the other side of it, she's very uh, in tune with like my feelings, and so I see things that like mm. she knows what I like, and so she that's puts cool. that into the into that's those helmets. So it's that's cool. It's been really neat, and uh, to see the video afterwards has even been cooler because you know that's the thing that I would miss out on if I didn't have the video. Um, so there's a guy named Sean that, that owns Alpha Vision Media that um, has filmed the last two or three. And uh, it's almost become like a little movie. You know, the quality is amazing. And, and uh, you know, we post them to my YouTube channel. I don't post anything else on there. I probably should. I've talked about doing like a, uh, like a weekly like little recap video and like do some filming with it. But to be honest with you, I hate social media, so I've kind of, I've kind of <laughs> not done it. But you know, to, to go back and watch the videos, like, and especially too to see her personality because she talks in all of them, and she's, you know, she kind of goes through what she's thinking, and you're listening, and and every year it's like, you're like, man, you you gained ten years of experience in in the last year, so uh, this year's gonna be really cool. She's she's even further along this year. She already kind of knows what she wants to do. I mean, we were talking about January and she already knows what she wants to do for September. So it's been, it's been really special and something that I've really, really appreciated. And it's not easy for my home painter either because he kind of disrupts the whole place, you know, whenever this happens. So it kind of makes it difficult, but uh, she's done a great job. Do you keep all of them? Every one of them. They will. If I have any possession that will never leave my, my uh my my inventory it's it's those helmets i mean when they showed it on television last september the latest one i remember thinking well she drew that on paper and then the professional transferred it so to know that she actually put it on the helmet i mean that makes it even more interesting like the quality because i i assumed that she just drew the design oh no no she actually that's why i asked that's amazing that so he goes through and like you know as a helmet painter, you have like a process and a, and a the prep work makes a good helmet. Right. It kind of with the way the paint is evolved and the airbrushing and all that, like like you can kind of fake it till you make it a little bit, but the prep work is the, the main part. And so she's been very lucky that she's got good people that teach her the prep work of it and, and how to get to the, from, from A to B. But then I watch her and like, you know, when you see them in person, like the first couple, you could see like some areas where like maybe the paint wasn't fully covered or, you know, certain things. But now, like it, to your point, I, 
I couldn't tell you if Greg painted it or if she painted it. Like I mean, it's, I thought, I was it's like, really good. Yeah. Oh, she designed it, you know, in quotes. I'm like, no, nah, I mean, I, I just, it, it, it looked professional. Yeah. So, and so that the, your 10 year old did that. It's crazy. Yeah. So the next thing I re at some point, I really would like to get her like her own paint gun, her own airbrush so that when she goes mm -hmm. in over there, like mm -hmm. I wanted to practice it, you know, so, so Greg and, and there's another gentleman over there named Noel. They kind of started off axis, uh, which is who paints my helmets. There's two other uh, artists are now. Um, so Mike and Ryan, they're both, you know, they both have kind of come in and joined the group. But uh, Greg and Noel learned how to do T-shirt art. So like, you, know, you go to the the, the beach. beach or whatever. Yeah. Like that's what they did, <laughs> right? So they both did that. No kidding. And um, and then Mike, Mike's actually funny. Mike's daughter, oldest daughter, plays um, travel softball. It's kind of how we got started in travel softball. He used to be uh, do animation. And oh, so, wow. like, that's kind of his background. And then Ryan um, has kind of grown up around art and, and NASCAR. And so he he was around painting the, the Cup Series cars. And so he kind of fell in love with it. And so he started doing it. So you have this, like, eclectic group of people that's that are neat. over there. But they all have different backgrounds. They all have different styles. But I watch um, – so Noel is, like, the guy that if you, you know, if you were going to pick a tattoo artist that could do, like, realism, that's Noel, mm -hmm. right? Greg's more of, like, the – he can figure out how to make colors merge. He can figure out how to make designs really, really cool. But it's more so like a, a, a design, not necessarily like a, a figure. Right. He can. He just, that's, you know, he's pumping helmets out. He's making, you know, he's doing his style. And then Noel's the guy that when you want to add a, a caricature or an actual photo or, um, you know, whatever, he kind of adds to the back. The other two are, are, are extremely talented in their own right. They're very different also. So, you know, I want my daughter to, I would love for her to kind of keep, I would love for her to go over there even when she's not painting for me and just learn from their mm -hmm. mentality and their thought process. But again, we talk about art as she, as she kind of keeps going with it, I would love to see her do more art and especially airbrush because I think she could do it and, and have a lot of fun with it. But you watch those guys and I just, I'm in awe of how talented they are. And, uh, and I've painted my own. They make it look. Yeah. I've painted my own before and I can assure you that it is not as easy as they make it look. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You've been fortunate enough to win twice in your home state. One at the Illinois State Fairgrounds in Arca. Yeah. One at Chicagoland Speedway. Oh, I miss that place. Me too. Um, Trust me. <laughs> but what's it like winning at home? Is there more pressure? Is that week more hectic because you've got friends and family? Well, what's that like? Not only is it my home, but it's my sponsor's home too. True. true. So like, it is brutal. As much as I love racing at home, that is by far the hardest week of the year. You know, so now mm. uh, we lost Chicago Land. Obviously, we gained Chicago Street Course, mm -hmm. but it's equally as hard, right? You you get this level of expectation, I guess, mm -hmm. in some ways that like that's the most important one, and I don't know that it is. I don't know that anybody else puts the importance of it, mm. but you know, there is nothing cooler. Like I, I'll be honest with you, those victories will still always be my favorites. You know, yeah, I've probably won it places that I like more or I've done things that have been bigger wins, but like those will always be uh, the big ones. Now the Springfield win was my first Arca win. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, you know, growing up going there as a kid. Um, so there's a gentleman named Kelly Kofsky that, that runs the tire store in Springfield, Illinois for my dad. Um, but we've grown up together. We've raced together. Um, Kelly takes care of all of my dirt cars. He races his own dirt car. Um, and now he still races the dirt miles every year. But I'll never forget as kids, we we would um, sneak our way into the garage area and we used to go sit and we'd sit and we'd look up the grandstands and we'd both tell each other like, man, one of these days we're going to, we're going to be here and we're going <laughs> to race this race, you know, and, and, uh, you know, all these people are going to be cheering for us. 
And, you know, you say that as a kid and you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, in, in both of our minds, like to race the Arca series even was like this aspiration that was bigger than life itself. And so when I won Springfield, I think there was like 9,000 people there that day. And it's the most people I'd ever raced in front of. And it was the biggest crowd I'd ever seen. And it was by far the biggest win in my career. And I can remember I turned around and I came down the front straightaway backwards and I had my winning net down, but I still had my helmet on car was still running. And I could hear the people in the grandstands hmm. over the engine. Hmm. And I wow. was like blown away. And uh, that, that one raises the hair on the back of my neck still to this day. Like that one will, will always be my, uh, my favorite win of all time. But just winning at home never gets old. Like it, it just doesn't, I don't know. I don't know why that is. Um, you know, you talk to, to stick and ball sports players. They'll always say that there's never a win, like winning at your home stadium or winning at your home field or whatever. Mm. And there's, it, it just has a different feel to it. And, and I say home field that may not be for like a football player. That may not be the team that he plays for, right. but they may go to a where city where up. he grew up or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. I just, uh, I just read a story on a player that, you know, was a diehard fan of a team and like his whole chest is tattooed with this team team name Ooh. uh team logos or anything. oh man and then he ended up playing for another team oh no you know so it was like it was like a big deal but i i just remember like a big deal about this guy and uh i can't remember who it was now but you know i i think about that and i'm like you know but but at the end of the day like as a kid or even as a young teenager when you get a tattoo like you're never gonna change that like you may you may right. play for a different team but you still are always gonna be a fan of you know mm. where you grew up and you know, a lot of people, it's hereditary, you know, family members, whatever, yeah. fans, until you kind of become a fan. So it makes a big difference. I want to follow up, and then, Mike, I'll let you talk about Chicago Street Race. Yep. Taking the hometown part out of it. I think it'll be better this year. I'm intrigued by it. I lived 30 minutes north of there for 13 years. I think it's a neat idea. I've seen Indy struggle, as you have in Nashville, trying to figure that out. Yep. Thoughts on the initial and what to expect this year? I mean, it's probably not coming back based on what the city of Chicago is saying, but what uh, are your thoughts? I, I don't know. I have to disagree with you there. I don't think they're getting rid of us, to be honest with you. Okay. Well, I, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, maybe they will. but It's uh, a three-year deal. I know yeah. that. But I, 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 even still, I think it financially, I think they were really against it until the weekend happened. And they saw the money? And I think they saw the money. They were like, hey, this <laughs> might not be a bad gig. Um <laughs> You know, I know that it caused a lot of disruption from from a city standpoint, but you know, I do believe this will be better because you've learned what not to do or what to do. You know, last year got a black eye because they shortened our race up. The rain was and just then the, yeah, it was horrendous. The the biggest problem we had, honestly, and I don't know that we'll ever get to the bottom of the story, but you know, there's some lightning strike rules that Chicago does that they're 45 minutes per strike, but then they add them together. Well, I think NASCAR because we're 30 minutes, they did two or three lightning strikes to try to get past the, um, so that it wasn't like a big deal for the city to like have to not go right back. Right. They were trying to like spread it out, but then the city just added them all together. And so mm. then they were like, well, it's gonna be dark by the time this. So then everybody left like all the security, they like ushered all the fans oh. out of the facility and then they just left. No. And kidding. so like, that's kind of why the race got canceled was like, there was, there wasn't a way for people to get back in. Huh. Um, and it was kind of due to some city ordinances. And so Ew. 
that kind of made it tough, right? Whereas, it, yeah, because the street course is under city rule, whereas if it's a private facility, it's, it's under what the, they yeah, want to do. Correct. Right. So there was a lot of discussion about that. And then, you know, the morning of the cup race, it was just too wet. I mean, the tires were floating down pit road. Like, just no way we can make it's it a work. a lot of rain. A lot of rain. I mean, it was, what, like five inches of rain in... A couple hours. Yeah, a couple hours. I mean, it just... It's it was the brutal. Midwest. There's nowhere for it to go. <laughs> well, especially there, too. Yeah. I mean, it just... And with all the walls up, I mean, it just made it even worse. Um, that being said, probably the most fun I had last year. Was it? You yeah. did enjoy it? I absolutely enjoyed it. And I mean, it's home for me. So, I mean, that maybe made it a little bit more special. But like, the only thing that sucked was the haulers were parked like three quarters of a mile from pit road. And we had to walk everything back and forth. Hmm. That got a little old really quickly. But on the other side of it, like, everybody did a fantastic job of making it happen and making it work. And to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't have traded that weekend for anything. I, I absolutely had a blast. I love staying in the hotels there. Like it was just, this, the feel of it was so different from what we normally do that um, it was good. Watching when you, I can't remember which term it was. You, you turn left, you turn right to go down by the lake. Yep. And then it had that little kind of double dog leg. Yeah. That, that seemed like it needed stones to late break into there. Cause that's where the cup guys were all <laughs> turning it around. I mean, it looked like, mm-hmm. Woo, so to- <laughs> so you want to know what it took it took being able to see oh really so you were bouncing so bad through that section because the road was so rough that you couldn't see where you were going so the guys that could see where they were going could break later and they could make that corner um no kidding yeah How so some guys some guys actually you talk about having stones some guys couldn't see they were just winging it and that's wow. why i think you saw some guys wrecked there because they just were like counting or trying to figure out how, some kind of yeah, mark yeah, yeah yeah something they could do and just go into a point and then it, it's like the point of no return too because like if you miss it it's ugly yeah and uh, there was a couple corners that were like that and when we got on the racetrack first no rubber down all the oil from all the public transit and whatever it was sketchy and it was raining too so like i mean you're just out mm. there like you have no idea. Around, and, and then it's it like it dries up fan. we're on we're on rain tires and then it's drying up and then we went to slicks and you were picking up like eight seconds a lap you know what i mean it was just like holy cow and so your braking zones were changing and your throttle zones were changing uh, setups were changing you know it's so funny we we had a setup in the car where uh, i would say we were fairly soft so like my car rolled over a lot it looked like a boat you know and i was carrying front tires and then you had the two guys in front of me that were like go-karts right so i think it was john hunter and cole custer were in front of me they were like go-karts their cars wouldn't move but right before they canceled it like their stuff was in bad shape. I mean, they were like burning tires off of it, hanging on. And here my little boat was out there and I, I still had grit, man. And I was <laughs> the like, SS all guy. Oh yeah. I was chomping at the bit. Let's keep going, you know? Um, but you know, I think everybody learned a lot. And I think, you know, when we go back there again in this year, you not only will the facility be better because they have more time to learn, learn about it, but the teams will be more prepared. The cars will be better. I mean, here at the end of the day, on the cup side, right? I, I think SVG exploited something that we don't do a good job of in our sport is being open-minded and not kind of going with the flow of, of what's normal. You know, he didn't have any kind of preconceived ideas as to what it should be because he'd never driven one of them. You know, he drove it outside of the racetrack once, but like, you that's know, a shakedown. That's yeah, not a shakedown. Test. It's not a yeah. test. And so he came in with like this really open mind and just said, whatever happens, happens. Everybody else, like, they knew what they were going to expect. And when you looked at the rundown, I mean, like, Justin Haley dominated. 
right until SVG took over. Justin Haley, I mean, as talented as he is, car wise, shouldn't have been up there. And experience you had some great wise, guys that just like the nine. Who was it that put it into that one set of barrels like uh, seven times? Kyle Bush. Kyle was it Kyle yeah, Bush? Kyle Bush went yep. straight into turn seven like ten times. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the best on road courses ever. ever. Yeah, <laughs> and like the best one was he he like drove in there. And uh, my crew chief and I were, were texting back and forth, like, oh, man, like, you know, can't believe Kyle's already out. He just dropped the thing in reverse and backs out of the tire barrier. And you're like, the car's not even hurt. Like, no. what the heck? Right. Um, but, you know, it was a wild event. I do believe it's going to be better this year. But, you know, it could also be worse. I mean, we could do things really well, bad. Well, the weather Hopefully probably the weather uh, won't repeat. Well, yeah. uh, you know, the other part of this is, is like, okay, so, yes, I know we have bad weather in Illinois, but, like, July 4th weekend, you don't normally have bad weather. No, you don't. Like, typically, that's a pretty good weekend. July's a pretty good month yeah. up there. It's usually yeah. hot, yeah. and it was not. It, it was not. anything but. So Monsoon season. We'll see, we'll see what happens this year, but um, I'm cautiously optimistic about going back there, and I feel pretty good about it. So. You glad they got rid of the Indy Road course? Yes. I'll, 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 I'll follow up on that when I see what we get for a package for Indy. But sure. yes, the short answer is yes. If we're going to raise Indy, we need to be on the Oval. Now, if they want to have a double header, I'm okay with that. Like, if we want to run a road course and the oval, like, great. Like the Indy cars Yeah, do. great. But I'm, I, if we're going to run one race a year, it needs to be the oval. Yeah. Or go back to IRP. One of the two. IRP is cool. It is really cool. So, how, how optimistic? How do you feel about 2024? What's your outlook as we head to uh, Daytona in a few weeks? What are, you, what are you feeling? I don't know if I've had time to think about it, but I feel like we're going to be in good shape. Same um, people? Same people. Yeah, well, that's one thing that didn't change this year. I, we changed all of Less them last chaotic, year, and then right, it did yeah. change this year. But um, I am interested to see what some of the change in our sport will kind of prevail with. Drivers, teams, you know, you got guys like Eric Amarola that are coming over that are going to run a lot of races in a really, really good car, right? You got a mm-hmm. guy like Sheldon Creed going from RCR to Gibbs. You got a guy like Jesse Love coming in. You know, I think Cole Custer builds on being back in the series for another year as a champion. You know, so there's a lot of things that I think you know, Riley Herbst was arguably the best car in the playoffs last year, but wasn't in, right? I mean, mm-hmm. one Talk race about and, a guy who finally took a step, right? Oh, a huge step. I mean, he like, he climbed Mount Everest in a day, yeah. you know? I mean, really did. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of like unknowns going into next year. How does the engine stack up? How does the aerodynamics stack up? Does anybody find like, Hey, we found an extra 20 pounds of downforce. You know, those are all things that you can't really measure in the off season. You kind of got to get on the racetrack and see it. And you really don't even see it at Daytona. You need to get through, you know, the first five. And then you're like, okay, here's where we stand. Here's where we can be better. But I just know the people that we have. And, and even if we don't start off as good as I want to, I really believe that we'll get there really quickly. We yeah. just we just need the time. So yeah. I'm are good. Awesome. Are I'm you ready. a fan of the playoffs? I, I, like in, as a concept, whether it was the original ten races, like they did in the Cup Series, like do you not like really? It? Do you just we rather it be just a regular season? Champion? Yeah, I, I, th- I think I think I like the old way, but you know, look, Super Bowl's coming up. You know, I love watching the World Series. It's not um, always the guy who wins the, the Stanley season. Cup playoffs. Like it's not one game, yeah. right now. What I wish is for for me is that it was wasn't one race. Say, Michael. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he's I think, been on I that think, drive for I, I think years. Last, totally, yes. Thank I think you. the last three should be the playoffs or for the, the championship. I think yeah. you had four cards, last three races, be done with it. Yeah, yeah. So many eggs in one basket. So yeah. many things. Like you didn't drive badly. It was just Custer had a better car that day, right? It was just yeah. it, you can't. Well, and, and, I, and remember and, in the Cup Series, it was who got off pit road last. Yeah. Well, and on Kyle, the last stop, uh, uh, it came yeah, down to and, one And we thought stop. it was going to be Larson, again, for the same reason. I mean, he's a great driver. But 
the 12 ended up being right. had a better car. He had time to pass. If that had, if that race had three laps to go. If it was green, white, checker, and they all Lars stopped. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I, so, yeah, I wish there was just more. That's aggravating to me because the way that you got <laughs> into Phoenix by, I mean, you really earned your way there. Yeah. And you've talked about your support system, great family. So I know that uh, you guys have worked through this, and I'm, I'm glad to see that you're optimistic about 2024. I, ho- I was hoping you would be. I know yeah, that's... I mean, it's it's hard to get beat down by not winning, you know, so many times. I mean, I I don't think you can lose them any other ways than we've managed to lose them, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> we, we've checked all the boxes. Yeah. Um, but on the other side of it, I, I tell people all the time, if I end my career tomorrow and I don't ever win a championship, it's not – Yes, I want to win one. I want to mm-hmm. be a champion. But on the other side of it, it's not going to define my career. No. It's not going to be a difference maker uh, in that regard. Like, I want to win a championship for the people that are around me. Mm-hmm. I want my guys to experience that, to be on that stage, to pop the champagne, to, you know, I want my kids to see that. Like, unselfishly, like, I personally, I selfishly, I don't really care. But I would rather see everybody else go through that. You know, I know how much it means to our shop. Yeah. I know how much it means to all of our partners. So, like, there's a lot of other things at play that make me have the drive and the want to go win a championship than just selfishly me going to win a championship. So, I don't You like know. the reconfiguration of Phoenix? It's okay. I run good on both, so I don't really care either way. It just um, seems I'd- odd, the whole... It is odd. Diving, the, the dive bombing, and it's just it's got to be nerve-wracking and restarts for that. I don't like that part of it. I really don't like that they put the sticky stuff down. I would like to burn all the sticky stuff that's ever existed because I'm not a fan of it. I don't know that it's made any racing better at any racetrack. Well, there was that one year. It Was it Texas? Texas, it still messed it up and well, they haven't put it down for I mean, a where the Indy cars were, if they got oh, their oh, tires yeah. in it, they, they were gone, they went, yeah. They flipped, yeah. they threw, rear end around. Yeah, they actually, yeah. that was the year, that would have been like 2022, mm-hmm. I think. They gave the Indy car a practice session. With a set of tires that you could do anything you wanted to. You could put all the arrow to the car you wanted to. Big wings, all that. And the only re- requirement was that you had to run in the PJ1 for the whole practice session. And, and we had a few takers. And even with all the downforce in the world, they still could barely get around there. It was They were like half speed going around there. It was really crazy. Texas and Indy has just not mixed well. I remember when they first... They had to stop racing there back in the day because well, they the were, guys blacking, were out. blacking out yeah. the corner. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they're going there again now. I think no, they're, they're not. They're, done, so. they're not. Okay, I've got some fun questions. Yes, these and, will be easy. And then and we, one serious, I can ask the one serious, and then the. I'd say uh, your one serious. You always ask yes. everybody. Yeah, we may ask that one first. Up to you. And then we'll finish fun. Okay, here's here's well, it's 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 just interesting to see what people will say with this. So we ask everybody this question: You've got a chance to spend fifteen minutes or have a meal, have a drink. With anybody living, not living, you've met before, you've never met, I've met him, I wish I could spend 15 more. In the racing world, that person, 15 minutes, who's that Who's that person for, for you? This is going to sound like an odd one, uh, but I was always infatuated with this with this driver growing up, but uh, Fireball Roberts. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I loved the fact that he always ran a convertible. I loved, I loved his story. I freaks me out how he died right like i mean i think right that's, here too yeah like i think yeah. that's 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 probably the one thing like i've done when i growing up as a kid i did a bunch of book reports on on fireball i don't know i just that's always that's a good answer no one's ever nobody's answered. ever yeah, yeah that, say nobody's ever like i mean i feel that. like i've in my life i have met a majority or been around or gotten to have time with a majority of my heroes i don't know i've 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 checked a lot of boxes that i mm-hmm. that most people don't get to check that's cool and so 
you know, I would go outside of my comfort zone a little bit there and just say somebody that I, I haven't met. Obviously I never had the opportunity to meet and feel yeah. like he would have been a really cool one. So that's a good one. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fair one. enough. There was a cool picture recently on, so I forget which social media, but it was him in a car and he was head racing and penny loafers. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if I had to pick yeah. a second one, by the way, it'd be big bill friends. I would like to see what his outlook on the sport would be now. today. Yeah. yeah. Spe- All right. I would have also liked to see what he'd said when Brian was in charge, but that's a whole other <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is going to be called Seven with Seven. Seven okay. with number seven. All right. Two, two of these are actually from Cadence. Okay. Perfect. So, okay. So she wanted to know, what is your most memorable race? Most memorable race, uh, Indianapolis, twenty eighteen, winning the race there, kissing the bricks. You know, obviously, don't I don't have Willow at the time, but but Harper and Ashley being able to kiss the bricks with me, um, spending a lot of time as a kid going to Indianapolis. uh, That one will always be my favorite race. Okay, what is your favorite food? She also wanted to know that too. I'm an Italian person. Pasta is like, we eat a lot of pasta at my house. Between me, Harper. We, we eat a lot of pasta. Um, so I'm a big Italian person. So that's that's kind of my go-to. And I love ricotta cheese, too, which not everybody mm. likes ricotta. But, uh, yeah, I'm an Italian person. All right. Lasagna. Ricotta uses ricotta, yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yes. Carter loves lasagna. All right. With Brant as, I'd say, your primary sponsor, this is out of left field or out of the cornfield, what is your favorite <laughs> corn product? My favorite corn product? I'm a sweet corn person. Corn on the cob. I, I don't like to cut it off the cob. A little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, a oh, okay. little bit of butter. I'm not a big butter person, but like my favorite is like fair time. Mm. I was going to ask where they dip oh, it. Now, do they, we always went to Wisconsin State Fair because we lived actually in Kenosha. Yep. But do they do the chili powder in Illinois? Like you can get it. it. You can get it either way. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. you can get it either way. I always thought that was odd. You don't do that here in the southeast. So. No, you do not. But you can you can get okay. it either way. Yeah, it was an option. Lemon yeah. pepper. But, lemon pepper is popular. I, li- I like lemon pepper. But that hot butter. That's pretty good. Oh yeah, it's hard, it's hard to beat. Mm. It's hard to beat. Absolutely. All right. Favorite holiday. Uh, favorite holiday. Uh, you know, I'm gonna catch a lot of flack for this one, but uh, I'm gonna go with with Easter. And as a Christian, uh, Christmas should be my favorite, but I can tell you that it is my least favorite holiday because I feel like all the buildup and crap that we go through to get to Christmas, <laughs> yes. like we have diminished what Christmas is by a thousand percent. Um, and now we start Christmas music like the first week of August and it drives oh, me absolutely insane. So it's awful. So, um, and I was in Disney over New Year's and into the beginning of January and it was still Christmas music, still Christmas lights. And I'm like... What are we doing? Anyways, um, so I'm going to go with Easter. I love Easter, and I love Fourth of July. Those are my two, those are my two cool. favorites. Nice. What is your favorite vacation spot? Uh, well, that's actually changed. So in November, I got the opportunity to go to uh, a friend of mine's wedding in St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd never been to St. Thomas and um, fell in love with it. I probably never be able to afford to go back, but it's... Uh, <laughs> It's a beautiful place. And I had some, a lot of fun with some it. Some other friends to get married. Yeah. Right. Okay. If anybody wants to invite me to their wedding and they're getting married in St. Thomas. Now, I want to tell you a funny story on that. So Tyler Reddick and I were both there. I'm on the beach. I put my snorkel gear on, right? And I'm and I'm walking backwards with flippers on. Because like that's how you're supposed to get in the water. Right, right. right. And this guy from out of left field was like, hey, you Justin Allgaier. <laughs> like I'm on the beach in full uh, snorkel gear. He's like... 
that's so awesome he's like would you would you take a picture with me when you get done and i'm like sure and uh, this yeah <laughs> so we go out and like I don't, I guess I just never thought the guy would just sit there, but him and his wife and their other <laughs> They just friends, waited. They just waited. Two hours later. So, wow. so we like go out, come back, and he's like, uh, hey, he's like, uh, that other guy that was with you, was that Tyler Reddick? And I said, yeah. He's like, I thought so. He's like, will you think you take a picture with us too? I'm like, sure. So we end up taking this photo. I got like the the suction ring of of uh, goggles on, you know, whatever. But they were they were from like I'm trying to remember where he said they were from. Random random place. Big NASCAR fans just there on vacation, spending some. And I'm like, of all the places somebody could pick me out, I was literally on a beach. Um, Go all the way to the Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So my most two memorable moments of getting picked out of a crowd have come in the last. Six months. No kidding. That one, and then we were at Disney. We were on in line to ride Space Mountain. And uh, I'm like, you know, you get up to the guy, and he's like, how many are in your party? And then they kind of distribute you where you need to go. And he goes, uh, man, you look just like Justin Allgaier. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... I get that all the time. Yeah, that, that's me. And he's like, no way. He goes, I'm a huge NASCAR Xfinity Series fan. He goes, I'm a huge fan of yours. He's like... I get it. I guess I thought you'd be taller. Uh, and uh, and so I was like, no, no, it's me. And he's like, that's so awesome. He's like, well, you just, here celebrating New Year's. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm actually running running Dopey in the marathon. And he's like, oh, I am too. Maybe I'll see you when we're running. And uh, so I was like, oh, you know. And um, so we go get in line. And uh, he comes over and he's like, hey, uh, would you and your party want to ride again a second time? Like, I can just tell him to leave you on the ride and you can ride again a second time. I'm like, oh man, that's okay. You know, I know you get a lot of people and it had been broken down. So like people were waiting for ever. Right. Um, I'm like, but since you're a fan, like, can you take a <laughs> selfie with me? You're like, you know, like you have your phone on you. He's like, why? Well, I, I can't take it. And I was like, well, if I take your phone and take a selfie with the two of us together, can we take it a selfie? He's like, yeah. So he hands me his phone. I take a selfie with the two of us and uh, on we go. And, um, all the kids that were with us, not including my daughter, because she's she's over it by now, but all the kids that were with us, like, that's so cool, that guy recognized you. But they're like, why didn't you tell him yes? Like, we want to ride Space Mountain twice. Like, like, <laughs> now you're and the I was bad like, guy. oh, well, yeah. But, you know, I try to look out for everybody else. But right. those are like my two best, yeah, moments of, of people recognizing who I was in the last six months. So <laughs> favorite, favorite Disney ride? That, now I've got number um, eight, system right. So used to be, used to be uh, Slinky Dog Dash. Now it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, it's uh, awesome, isn't it? Awesome. Did you ride Tron? I did. I haven't I, ridden it. I love... Uh, okay, so if you've not ridden it, I, the only thing... I, I won't spoil anything, but the start is really, really cool. It's just too short. It's only like a minute mm. and 11 minutes. Whereas like Guardians of the Galaxy is like four minutes. You know. Yeah, I can't do that one with my... I get vertigo when you twist me. But we went to Epcot between Christmas and New Year just so my youngest could ride that ride again. It's, I mean, it's really <laughs> cool. I, I don't mind. Um, I really like Rock and Roller Coaster too because I like going upside down. But... Um, I did convince my daughter to go on Rock and Roller Coaster this year. Was she it? like it? She loved it, but she had never been upside down. So we're like, we're standing in line. We're all the way up to like the end of the line. And she's like, I can't do it. And I'm like, honey, we're already here. She's like, I can't do it. I can't ride it. And uh, I'm like, all right, well, then neither one of us will ride it. Like, I'm not going to. She's like, I want you to ride it. I'm like, no, if you're not going to ride it, I'm not going to ride it. There's 10 of us. Like, they can go ride. We'll walk out the back. So they're like, oh, scratch that. We don't have 10. We have eight. And, uh, She's like, no, I'm going to ride it. And so like <laughs> we go through and uh, we get on and 
I've never had my hand squeezed so hard in my entire life, but <laughs> but we we got it done and we managed it and it was really cool. So that's good. And nearly ruined it for Cadence when she wrote. Now this was Cadence was was the first time we went. It was, was two little? or three years ago. Yeah, she it took her a long and we went to Slinky Dog Dash next. Oh, and yeah. she. Which is I, not I anywhere close. She, no, and she's like, I, I can't. I don't want to do it ever again. I don't want to do any roller and then, coaster. Didn't, did she ride Velocicoaster at Universal with us? Uh, yes. She's Have you ridden that since. one? No. That one goes 0 to 70 in it like 1.8 seconds. So did you ride the, um, I don't know what it's called, Rock and Roll, the, where it goes way up and then comes straight down? No. Okay. You got to go Universal? ride that one. Yeah, Universal. Huh. You got to ride that one. You're riding and you're like in a cart and you go up mm. and you're going straight up mm. and it actually goes over 90 and comes. Oh, that's, I know that one. Yes. No, that's the one. Uh, I know exactly I what you're I talking will. about. The, uh, it was it was shut down when we were there. They yep. had. They had, I'm OK with that. Yeah. 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 All right, you got. You want to finish? No, up that a was it. I was going to ask who he likes racing against the least, but I don't want him to feel like he's going to answer that one. Oh, yeah. what's the question no, now? No. <laughs> who I like racing the most and the, the least? least? Yeah, but um, I, was just, I was. I was. I was going to ask the most. The least was a question. Was a joke. Don't, don't um, answer that one. It's okay. But yeah, who do you like racing against? Yeah, the most? or who do you like to beat the most? Like, who's the guy you love to get out and say, "I got you today." Um, I beat your favorite driver. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, which one? All of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly. Um, Man, I don't know. Um, That's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. I, you know, I've gotten, I've become a lot of really good friends with a lot of people. Right. I, probably my favorite friend on the on the schedule right now is Josh Williams. So I'm super excited for him to get in a oh, good yeah, car because like is. he's be such good a year. good when dude. He parked that car. I <laughs> thought that was the best thing I had ever seen. Yeah. It, that it was. was um, he's he's a good dude. He is a great dude. But so. yeah, like I don't know. I don't know that I have. Um, I don't really have anybody that I'm like enemies with right now. Ross yeah. was like my guy. Right, and then Noah yeah. and I, even as a teammates, we we had our differences on the racetrack. Are either of them running an Xfinity race this year? No, so I mean, I'm good. There you go. I'm good to go. You're good. There it is. All right. Well, well that, that's all I had. I'm not gonna have that. A was pretty ball. easy. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to pull up a picture of this roller coaster for you here. I can't I'm, remember the name of it. It's called. I, uh, it's called. Where and it goes over rip, like you're on the rip ride rocket roller coaster. Yes, that's and it's mouthful. near like the main street mm. area of Universal. You know what I'm talking about, Michael? When we went in, okay. So like, here's the top, right? Do you remember seeing oh, I that? Do, I do remember okay, seeing yeah. that. Yes, yeah. Yes, so like that's the top. yes, yes, yes. And it's it's like 220 feet down or something crazy. Oh, and, the, right? and then the, and the Hagrid bike ride near that or something or the. Oh, no, I didn't get to do that one. No, that's I, on the other part. That, okay. Is that the one that goes through the Jimmy Fallon thing? No. Oh, okay. There's also one that goes through a building. Maybe that's just, Jimmy Fallon itself. Uh, well, maybe it, maybe it does. I don't remember. I do remember <laughs> going past the start and being like, "What am I doing? Why am I on this roller coaster?" It was pretty wild. Not gonna nice. lie. Well, Justin, thank you for spending yeah. so much time yes. with us. I, I feel uh, like as listeners, you, you, <laughs> if if you don't shorten this at all, people people may get bored by the end of it. But I hope not. Appreciate it. Um, you know, obviously for me, I. I'm sure you realize that I like to talk. I'm not a. I'm not afraid to talk. <laughs> thank but, you. Uh, we yeah, love it. Thank you. Makes it great for us. Oh, but yeah, you know, I've, I've been so blessed to have a great career and do what I love to do. And and um, you know, you guys obviously have passion for the sport, and uh, it it makes a difference. And so for me, you know, I get to I uh, get to love what I do, but also too, I enjoy talking about it and, and being a part of it. So thank you guys for letting me be on yeah. and be a part of it. And cool to hit number 100 so for congratulations sure. on that that's a that's a big deal and hopefully i can be back on at some point that'd be awesome anytime you it. want all right all right best, best of luck talk to you soon